Good evening. Welcome to Catholic Education Class. Um, tonight we're looking at the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, without you we can do nothing. And so we pray for your guidance, for your enlightenment. We pray that the Holy Spirit will fill our hearts and minds so that we can know the truth, love the truth, and live the truth every day of our life. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, we pick up where we left off. We are on page 85, paragraph number 325. And we're talking about the creation of heaven and earth. Paragraph 325. The Apostles' Creed professes that God is creator of heaven and earth. The Nicene Creed makes it explicit that this profession includes all that is seen and unseen. The scriptural expression heaven and earth means all that exists, creation in its entirety. It, is also, it also indicates the bond deep within creation that both unites heaven and earth and distinguishes the one from the other. The earth is the world of men, while heaven, or the heavens, can designate both the firmament and God's own place, our Father in heaven, and consequently the heaven too, which is eschatological glory. Finally, heaven refers to the saints and the place of the spiritual creatures, the angels who surround God. The profession of faith of the Fourth Lateran Council in 1215 affirms that God, from the beginning of time, made at once out of nothing, both orders of creatures, the spiritual and the corporal, that is, the angelic and the earthly, and then the human creature, who, as it were, shares in both orders, being composed of spirit and body. So, uh, when we talk about the heavens and the earth, we mean everything that exists other than God. It it, 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 I think it's crazy today when I hear people talk about multiple universe. By definition, the universe is everything. So how can you have multiple everything? <laughs> everything <laughs> is everything. You, you can't have two universes. By definition, the universe includes everything that is. And that's what we mean by God creating the heavens and the earth. A parallel universe. Yeah, yeah. How silly. Um, the existence of angels, a truth of faith, paragraph 328. The existence of the spiritual, non-corporal being, that means a being without a body, 
that sacred scripture usually calls angels is a truth of faith. The witness of scripture is as clear as the unanimity of tradition. Who are they? Paragraph 329. St. Augustine says angel is the name of their office, not of their nature. If you seek the name of their nature, it is spirit. If you seek the name of their office, it is angel. From what they are, spirit. From what they do, angel. With their whole beings, the angels are servants and messengers of God. Because they always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. They are mighty ones who do his word, hearkening to the voice of his word. So angel means messenger, and they often bring messages to the human race. But they don't have a body. They don't have a body. Uh, they are not limited by a material body. As purely spiritual creatures, angels have intelligence and will. They are personal and immortal creatures, surpassing in perfection all visible creatures, as the splendor of their glory bears witness. So let's take a look at that definition there. They're spiritual, and, and that's a whole other topic. What is spirit? But um, let's look at they are personal and immortal. Uh, personal meaning that they are persons. We give angels names, Raphael, Michael, Gabriel. They are distinct persons. They are not some sort of force of Star Wars that is impersonal or like the force of gravity. They are unique individuals just as every human is a unique individual. Every angel is a unique person. Now, they are um, immortal. A spirit cannot die. Okay? The spirit lives forever. And that's why we as human beings were body and spirit. The human soul is an immortal spirit. The soul of the dog or the cow or the soul of the tree is the life of that thing. And those things are not immortal. But the human soul, the life of a human, is an immortal spirit. And this is what makes us different from all the rest of creation. And so every human is going to live forever. Their body will die. The body goes to the grave and decays. But we know that for us there is a resurrection of the dead when we will be raised immortal. Our bodies will be raised immortal. But our soul never dies. At the moment of our bodily death, the soul goes right on living, right on knowing, right on loving God. And the angels, being pure spirits, they have a will and an intellect. Paragraph 331. Christ is the center of the angelic world, 
They are his angels. Quote, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, they belong to him because they were created through and for him. For in him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. They belong to him still more because he has made them messengers of his saving plan. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to serve for the sake of those who are to obtain salvation? Angels have been present since creation and throughout the history of salvation announcing this salvation from afar or near, and serving the accomplishment of the divine plan. They closed the earthly paradise, protected Lot, saved Hagar and her child, stayed Abraham's hand, communicated the law by their ministry, led the people of God, announced births and callings, and assisted the prophets, just to cite a few examples. Finally, the angel Gabriel announced the birth of the precursor and that of Jesus himself. By the precursor, we mean John the Baptist, who announced the way of the Lord. From the Incarnation to the Ascension, the life of the Word incarnate is surrounded by the adoration and service of angels. When God brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Uh, that's an interesting line there. That's from the book of Hebrews. And one day, in fact, on two different days, I had Jehovah Witnesses come to my door, and uh, they don't see Jesus as God Almighty, okay? They see him as actually an angel in heaven. He was Michael the Archangel, but then he came down to earth. And so I asked the fellow, do you think Jesus is God? And, and he said, sure. And I said, no, you don't. You're a Jehovah Witness. You don't believe Jesus is God. And he says, well, if you mean Jehovah God, like, no. <laughs> and I said, well, let me show you something that shows you that Jesus is God. And in the Jehovah Witness Bible, which is not a good Bible at all. It was rewritten by their founder. And he took out places where it seems to indicate that Jesus is God. Well, he didn't get every place. And one of the places is this verse from Hebrews, where it says, He leads his firstborn into the world. He says, Let all the angels of God worship him. So God is commanding the angels to worship this firstborn. Who is this firstborn? I first asked him that, and he said, well, that's Jesus, of course. And I said, well, that's right. 
And so God is commanding the angels to worship Jesus. If Jesus is not God, God himself is commanding the angels to commit sin, to commit idolatry, the worst sin of all. <laughs> the fellow was about 55 years old, I'd say. He looked at me like, wow, never saw that before. He said, you and I could have a really interesting talk. <laughs> and I certainly wanted to have a talk, but they always leave. They never hang around. They never stick around. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that, I love that uh, line there. The, all the angels of God, uh, let, all the angel, let, let all God's angels worship him. And so in heaven, and on earth even, the angels worship Jesus, the firstborn of God. Continuing in paragraph 333. Their song of praise at the birth of Christ has not ceased resounding in the church's praise. Glory to God in the highest. We say it at every Mass. We continue that wonderful chorus uh, of the angels. They protect Jesus in his infancy, serve him in the desert, strengthen him in his agony in the garden. When he could have been saved by them from the hands of his enemies, as Israel had been. Again, it is the angels who evangelize by proclaiming the good news of Christ's incarnation and resurrection. It's true. At the tomb, the angel says, He is risen. He announces the resurrection. They will be present at Christ's return, which they will announce to serve at His judgment. Wow. Someday Jesus is coming again, and the angels are going to announce that, too. They'll be right there. The angels in the life of the church. In the meantime, the whole life of the church benefits from the mysteries and powerful help of angels. Paragraph 335. In her liturgy, the church joins with the angels to adore the thrice holy God. She invokes their assistance. Uh, Almighty God, we pray that your angel. In the funeral liturgy, may the angels lead you into paradise. Moreover, in the cherubic hymn of the Byzantine liturgy, she celebrates the memory of certain angels more particularly. St. Michael, St. Gabriel, St. Raphael, and the guardian angels. Paragraph 336. From infancy to death, human life is surrounded by their watchful care and intercession. Beside each believer stands an angel as protector and shepherd, leading him to life. Already here on, the earth, on earth, the Christian life shares by faith in the blessed company of angels and men united in God. It's a wonderful thing to know that you have a guardian angel. Mm -hmm. I don't think we appreciate it as much as we should. Uh, paragraph 337, The Visible World. 
God himself created the visible world in all its richness, diversity, and order. Scripture presents the work of the Creator symbolically as a succession of six days of divine work, concluded by the rest of the seventh day. On the subject of creation, the sacred text teaches the truths revealed by God for our salvation, permitting us to recognize the inner nature, the value, and ordering of the whole of creation to the praise of God. Paragraph 338. Nothing exists that does not owe its existence to God the Creator. Absolutely. Everything that exists, exists because of God, and God holds everything in existence. If he abandoned us for a moment, everything would cease to exist. The world began when God's word drew it out of nothingness. All existent beings, all of nature, and all of human history are rooted in this primordial event, the very genesis by which the world was constituted and time begun. Before creation, there was no time. And after creation, when we are in the kingdom of God in heaven, there will be no time once again. We'll be in eternity. Each creature possesses its own particular goodness and perfection. For each one of the works of the six days, it is said, and God saw that it was good. By the very nature of creation, material being is endowed with its own stability, truth, and excellence, its own order and laws. Each of the various creatures, willed in its own being, reflects in its own way a ray of God's infinite wisdom and goodness. Man must therefore respect the particular goodness of every creature to avoid any disordered use of things which would be in contempt of the Creator and would bring disastrous consequences for human beings and their environment. So, God created everything, and everything is good. He looks at everything and says it's good. When it comes to human beings, he looks at it and says it's very good. But since everything comes from God and is a creation of God, and God tells us it is good, we have an obligation to treat it as good. In Genesis, Adam is given dominion over all of creation. And so we, as the highest of God's creatures, we have a duty toward every other creature and every other thing. So as I, what the Catechism, I think, is trying to get here is we must respect the particular goodness of every created thing. So I wouldn't do something that is simply destructive. Um, someone builds a building, a house, they like it, it's beautiful. 
I shouldn't go up there with a spray can and spray graffiti on it. That is just disrespectful toward that house and toward the owner of that house. Well, I don't want to do graffiti all over God's creation. And by that, I mean just willful destruction. Um, it seems that sometimes in human history we've done it. Something that comes to mind is the, uh, and I think they went extinct, the passenger pigeon. There used to be millions of pigeons in uh, America. And we actually killed them all off. People would go out just for target practice and just shoot them by the hundreds. Just shooting these pigeons, not for food or anything, just shoot them for the fun of it. And um, we almost did the same thing with the buffalo. The buffalo got down to a very few. I think we were under 200 at one time in the whole world. And so, but they've come back and we've got plenty of buffalo again, but uh, in fact, we even raise them, you know, as cattle now for, for meat. Um, but uh, you don't want to just destroy things for the heck of it. That's not being respectful towards God's creation. On the other hand, to me, I have a pet peeve with these um, animal rights people and some people who would put the rights of animals above humans that's totally wrong they don't have the right respect for the order that God has put in creation with man at the top and in the book of Genesis we are told explicitly that God gives us all the plants to eat and God gave us all of the animals for food too so when the animal rights person says we shouldn't eat meat, they're not seeing things the way God sees them. And when you've got somebody who's an environmental wacko and thinks you should never cut down a tree, sometimes cutting trees or clearing brush is the best thing you can do for the overall environment put together, you know? Um, some people just don't use it, they don't use common sense. Um, a good conservationist manages the forest. You, well, timber companies whose business it is to sell wood and wood products, yeah, paper products and stuff, they, they plant millions of acres. They raise trees like you raise corn. Trees are a renewable resource. You can raise as many of you, you can grow as many as you want. And you can harvest them and grow another crop. You can constantly be using the things of this world but I think what the church is saying, what the catechism is saying, is that we should always have a respect for how God has placed everything in its place in, in creation. You wouldn't want to torture an animal. You know, that's just 
not respecting the creator who made the animal. Paragraph, uh, paragraph 340. Well, I guess I have to say a little bit more before I get off the animal rights wackos because it's gone too far. It has gone way, way, way too far. I heard a lady on the radio one day complaining and saying we should never kill an animal, you know. And the guy said, haven't you ever swatted a mosquito that was biting you, you know? And she broke down in tears saying, yes, I've done it. I have to confess, I've done it. I didn't think. I didn't think. You know, when mosquitoes are spreading malaria and killing thousands and tens of thousands of human beings, I think we need to destroy the mosquitoes in that area. You know? I mean, it was just, it was just amazing that she's like, well, we shouldn't destroy those mosquitoes. And uh, heaven help her if she knew how many bacteria she destroyed every time she used mouthwash. Those are, those are living creatures too, you know. You know, but nobody told her that. The guy pushed her a little bit and he asked her, he said, well, what if, what if your son had a disease and we needed to test an experimental drug uh, on a mouse in a laboratory? She said, no, I'd rather see my son die. That's what I'm saying. These people have really gone too far. We should respect creation, but they're everything in its place, everything in its order. God is the author of creation, and he has given us a hierarchy of values. Humans are at the top of God's visible creatures on this earth. Paragraph 340. God wills the interdependence of creatures. The sun and the moon, the cedar and the little flower, the eagle and the sparrow. The spectacle of their countless diversities and inequalities tells us that no creature is self-sufficient. Creatures exist only in dependence on each other, to complete each other in the service of each other. Paragraph 341, the beauty of the, of the universe, the order and harmony of the created world results from the diversity of beings and from the relationships which exist among them. Man discovers them progressively as the laws of nature. They call forth the admiration of scholars. The beauty of creation reflects the infinite beauty of the creator and ought to inspire the respect and submission of man's intellect and will. It is true. There is such beauty, such engineering. And myself personally, when I see uh, the things they say about uh, the microscopic world, like the inner workings of what's inside of a cell, Everything completely invisible to the naked eye. So small. Mm -hmm. And yet, 
the engineering of DNA. It's just astounding and mind-boggling. Mm -hmm. And and that and that invisible world that is so small you can't see mm -hmm. that is going on inside our bodies and every cell of our bodies constantly all the time without us directing a thing. Mm -hmm. All pre-engineered. There was um, some, uh, some researchers wanted to make synthetic DNA and they they made a helix with the helix with all the 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 components that we have, but the helix was turned the other way. Yeah. And it did not like didn't do anything. Yeah. Like even like the helix turned a specific way had oh. like it gave life. And then they switched a few of the molecules, didn't give life. And um, that they just cannot replicate DNA to this day. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. It's yeah. pretty highly engineered. Yeah. I mean, it's made out of like such simple things. You know, like the helix is made out of yeah. simple components that you like you can extract the components and put yeah. it together. But whenever they did that, they could not <laughs> they could not do it cuz Right. Yeah. We haven't come close to creating life. Yeah. And I mean like they I mean really they had all the components but the helix was just turned <laughs> counterclockwise instead of clockwise. Huh. Like that made all the difference. Yeah. It's really bizarre. Perfect. Well, there's so much beauty. I mean, I think when people hear beauty, they think of a flower, they think of a sunset, mm -hmm. they think of a mountain, a stream, a lake, or whatever. There is all kinds of beauty, you know. It's just the it's just astounding that every single creature, even though the creature might be a cockroach, mm -hmm. it has its own beauty. It, yeah, it gives off its own awe. Yeah. yeah. And and the biology of it and how everything fits together. Mm -hmm. It's just, it really is a, an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it seems that God is so in love with beauty, to me, that there are many regions on earth where no human being will ever see it. Mm. In, in the deep in the Amazon jungle, in some desert, you know, in the depths of on, the ocean. on the depths of the ocean, out in the, there, you know, on some mountaintop, nobody's ever going to see this little flower that has sprung up and it's going to bloom for a few days and it's going to be gone. Yeah. So why does God put it there? <laughs> I think it's because God is a God of beauty and he just flings it every place you know he just throws it everywhere and even if humans don't see it God sees it yeah yeah it was created for him so the the, the angels see it <laughs> um Paragraph 342. The hierarchy of creatures is expressed by the order of the six days from the less perfect to the more perfect. God loves all his creatures and takes care of each one, even the sparrow. Je Nevertheless, Jesus said, you are of more value than many sparrows. Or again, of how much more value is a man 
than a sheep. Man is the summit of the Creator's work. As the inspired account expresses by clearly distinguishing the creation of man from that of the other creatures. There is a solidarity among all creatures arising from the fact that all have the same Creator and are all ordered to His glory. And then we have uh, a quote from uh, St. Francis of Assisi, Canticle of the Creatures. May you be praised, O Lord, in all your creatures, especially Brother Son, by whom you give us light for the day. He is beautiful, radiating great splendor and offering us a symbol of you, the Most High. May you be praised, my Lord, for Sister Water, who is very useful and humble, precious and chaste. May you be praised, my Lord, for Sister Earth, our mother who bears and feeds us and produces the variety of fruits and dappled flowers and grasses. Praise and bless my Lord, give thanks, and serve him in all humility. Paragraph 345. The Sabbath, the end of the work of the six days, the sacred text says that on the seventh day God finished his work, which he had done, and that the heavens and the earth were finished, and that God rested on this day, and sanctified and blessed it. These inspired words are rich in profitable instruction. Paragraph 346. In creation, God laid a foundation and established laws that remain firm, on which the believer can rely with confidence, for they are the sign and pledge of the unshakable faithfulness of God's covenant. For his part, man must remain faithful to this foundation and respect the laws which the Creator has written into it. Creation was fashioned with a view to the Sabbath and therefore for the worship and adoration of God. Worship is inscribed in the order of creation. As the rule of St. Benedict says, nothing should take precedence over the work of God. That is, solemn worship. This indicates the right order of human concerns. The Sabbath is at the heart of Israel's law. To keep the commandments is to correspond to the wisdom and will of God as expressed in his work of creation. Paragraph 349. The eighth day. But for us a new day has dawned, the day of Christ's resurrection. The seventh day completes the first creation. The eighth day begins the new creation. Thus, the work of creation culminates in the greater work of redemption. The first creation finds its meaning and its summit in the new creation in Christ, the splendor of which surpasses that of the first creation. So, this earth, as beautiful and as wonderful and as marvelous as it is, is passing away. 
there comes a new creation. St. Paul says, in Christ you are a new creation. As God sanctifies us and helps us to grow in holiness, someday we will go beyond this world and everything in this world. And we will live in a new creation that is far beyond this. And we will be far beyond what we are now. These, as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, these earthly bodies are but a seed. And we will be resurrected with heavenly bodies, spiritual bodies, far beyond anything we can imagine now. So, if this world is as glorious and as great and as awe-inspiring as DNA is, can you imagine what is the DNA of heaven? What is the DNA of our resurrected bodies? What has God put in place for us then? You know, it's going to be awesome because this world is really fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I was just scrolling through some pictures on the internet and it just talked about 20 really neat places in the world to go. And I looked at those 20 pictures. I mean, there were some really awesome uh, geographical locations. It's amazing the diversity and, and the beauty of so many different places in the world. And so um, if this world is that beautiful, what must the next world be? Well, that brings us to the end of that section. And so I think we will um, I think we'll stop there and we'll look at mankind made in the image of God in our next lesson. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the creation of the angels, for giving us a guardian angel for giving us a world that was created for your glory ultimately and at our service in the meantime. Help us, Lord, to always respect every good thing that you have made. Especially, help everyone to respect their own creation, their own body, and soul and live in such a way that we give you honor and glory by our daily worship. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.